Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. 7.5%. Am I allowed to say holy crap? Holy crap. That's inflation, baby. I actually thought the number was coming out tomorrow. I got it confused with jobs reports, which come out on a Friday, although we won't see the jobs report until March for February. This is where we are with inflation, 7.5% on an annual basis. So it beat estimates. Some people thought 7.2, some people thought 7%, 7.5. What is it telling us about what we're seeing with the economy? What is it telling us about what it is we're hearing from the administration? How can we even be considering on a federal level more spending because, I don't know, did you hear this? Did you hear this from Representative Jayapal? Pramila Jayapal, Washington State. Oh, she's down with it. We can we can take Build Back Better and we can rebrand it as long as we get to spend. I think that I'm perfectly fine with rebranding it. I don't mind what we call it, but what we have to do is lower costs for the American people. We got to lower child care costs. We got to lower prescription drug costs. We got to lower health care costs. And uh, we have to make sure that we are addressing an unfair tax system. So those are the things that we know we got to do. And I believe that we can put these pieces back together. We can call it something else. Well, isn't that great? What should get in the way of more spending? How about the fact that you have a dollar that is worth less and less? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. On Facebook, Tony Katz Radio and Rumble.com slash Tony Katz. Get all the good videos there. Dr. Matt Will joins us right now. Economist from the University of Indianapolis. MattWill.com. DR for Dr. Matt Will on the Twitter box. Break it down, man. First things first, we, we you have have on this show talked the idea of recession and now you have inflation at 7.5% before we get to the recession talk what does the 7.5% mean how is the number calculated and what does it say to you well tony it includes there there's two parts there's overall inflation which is everything that we buy which is the 7.5 and there's core inflation which removes things like um, fuel and energy and food because those are highly volatile items but that was 7.2%. Here's what's scary about these numbers Terry or Tony. Tony the number was supposed to be 4.8. All the expectations were core inflation would be 4.8% came in at 7.2 overall 7.3. Tony that's a 50% increase over expectations. So when you said holy crap earlier that was the right phrase. And this I got a comment on this congressperson's comments that I just heard heard you play. Her statement was, we have to lower costs. Does she not understand that her spending is what's causing costs to go up, and the only way to get costs down is to stop the spending in Washington? Look, the the inability of Washington to understand the issue on Midwest Main Street, I talk about this all the time, Wall Street and Midwest Main Street, the chasm is absolutely, it seems limitless in the differences between the two. But let's talk about the 7.5% inflation. We've now seen three months of this very large rise in inflation. The question is, where is this taking us? We look at the Dow right now, it's down 81, the NASDAQ's down 48. I would have accepted, uh, I, I would have expected a massive drop. We're not seeing that. How does Wall Street absorb these numbers and how does Main Street absorb these numbers? 
Well, it's interesting you say that because Wall Street's already figured bad news was coming. So the bad news arrived. They knew it was arriving. So they haven't reacted on the side of of, of stock prices, but they did react on the side of interest rates, Tony. The 10-year Treasury is now above 2%. It hasn't been there in three years. So the interest rates are starting to go up because the market knows rates will have to go up. But let me, let me scare everybody, Tony. I don't want to do this, but it's a fact. Inflation will get worse. I don't predict much, but let me tell you why I say that. The things that caused the inflation this time were discretionary goods, furniture, appliances, cars, computers. Discretionary expenses caused this to go up, and we've talked about this on your show before. Producer prices have been skyrocketing. They're much higher than 7.5%. Eventually, those costs will be passed on along to you and I, and that's what we see happening, and we'll see it again next month. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis, this idea of, of things passing through to us, I, I think that people at home, myself included, say, whoa, 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 I'm already paying more for everything. So when you talk about things being passed on to us, isn't it already being passed on to us? It's actually not, Tony. It has not been. Companies have been absorbing a lot of these price increases because they're afraid of losing customers, but they can't absorb it forever. And we're starting to see that leaking out. We talked about the PMI index that came out just last week. It's the major indicator of production. Their inflation rate was the highest rate in the history that I've been able to look at these, this data. That tells me that the producers are absorbing a lot of the cost and they're going to pass it along, Tony. They can't, they can't lose money. It's just not going to happen. They're going to have to at some point make us pay for those increased costs. The Biden administration putting out a statement um, touting wage growth and forecasts of tapering inflation. It was the Biden administration that told us that inflation was transitory. It was it was just temporary until you started hearing from some uh, uh, White House level economists saying, what are, what are we talking about here? This isn't this isn't temporary. They are all forecasting that by the end of 2022, things will be back to normal. What are you forecasting? You know, Tony, I've told you before, and I'll say it again. I don't forecast. I can only tell you cause and effect. If the Fed decides to increase rates, which they should, and if the federal government stops spending like drunken sailors, which they should, inflation will be low. But if Build Back Better passes, if the Fed doesn't actually get their, their act in gear, then we're going to have high inflation. So I don't know what the Fed is going to do. I don't know what the, what the Congress is going to do. But I can tell you, if they don't stop spending, it's going to get worse. And if the Fed doesn't take action, it's going to get worse. So my ability to predict what the Fed is going to do and what the, the Congress is going to do is not very good. The Fed action involves rate hikes. So we've heard from a couple different places. Uh, we first heard a, a conversation of four rate hikes in 2022. Then we had Bank of America people saying that we would see uh, possibly seven rate hikes in 2022. Then we had the Fed director in Atlanta, the Atlanta Fed, saying we'd see three rate hikes in 2022. Isn't the question not how many rate hikes we have, but how much are the rate hikes in total? It is. It is, Tony. But it's a combination of how much and how often. Because if they raise it half a percent, they don't have to do two quarter percent raises. And what you heard from Bank of America was what should be done. What you heard from the Fed when they said three is a political answer. It's a political answer that's a weak answer and it's going to keep inflation high. So the Bank of America was simply saying, well, you got to do seven if you want to cut down inflation. And someone from the Fed did not support that opinion. That scares me. 
one of the things, uh, uh, Yellen, uh, who is the Treasury Secretary, and I, she headed up the IMF, right? That that was that that Yellen. No, she uh, she headed up the Fed. She was the Fed chair. The Fed chair. Okay. Um, uh, she expects implement inflation through the much of the year uh, to remain above two percent. But she also said, if we're successful in controlling the pandemic. I expect inflation to diminish over the course of the year and hopefully revert to normal levels by the end of the year around 2%. This is the idea that all of this is COVID-related. In your conversations and in your research, Dr. Will, is inflation COVID-related? No. That is a false statement, Tony. It's related to, okay, actually, there is a little part of it. It's supply chain related. It's lockdown related. Of course, lockdowns are the government action and reaction to COVID. It's regulation. It's the push by Janet Yellen for a global tax. It's federal interest rates by the Fed. It's federal spending by the Congress. And California, for example, they have these environmental rules that are not allowing the ports to operate. So all these things together are causing it, plus, of course, the giveaway of money during the COVID situation. Uh, to blame it on COVID is just Janet Yellen knows better. I'm embarrassed for her that she has to say this. I don't know that she believes it, but she has to say it. So, again, political answer as opposed to. So so I, I guess the, the, the only thing left is, you know, we don't know how long this is going to last. In your words, as long as uh, government continues to fail to make proper moves, it will last, although it could indeed taper down. The question that people ask, and this may be a, a fiduciary question, but uh, you're as close as I've got. So I'm asking you, even though it's a different world. When, when, when you see this happening, Wall Street reacts in one way. And Midwest Main Street reacts in, in, in another way. Some people see this as buying opportunity, and some people see this as, man, I better hold on to as much cash as humanly possible. We saw the entire world of crypto, the minute this information came out, drop like a stone amongst every single uh, cryptocurrency you can mention. And then it's come back because maybe people feel that that's a hedge that can still work out for them. What do you believe the moves from Wall Street are going to be over the next two months? And what do you think the moves of Midwest Main Street should be over the next two months? Well, you know, Midwest Main Street, I, I hate to say this because this is a self-fulfilling prophecy, but cash is king. And the more cash you have, the better you're going to be during times of, you know, inflation or buy something that retains its value. You know, holding, holding let me repeat that. Holding cash is going to decrease in value. But Wall Street, Main Street needs to buy goods that are going to increase in price because they are going to appreciate. I know this sounds weird, Tony. Used cars might be a good investment right now because used cars will very well go up in price in this kind of situation. Wall Street, Tony, Wall Street's going to be erratic. It's going to be very volatile. It's not going to know what to do. It's just waiting around to see what Congress does. Wall Street is going to continue this roller coaster. It's completely unpredictable. Wall Street doesn't know what to do, Tony. They're just waiting to see what happens out of Washington. So your advice is I should go out there and buy cars and Rolexes? Tony, if you can get a car right now, if you can get a car, I would do it. Yes, value assets are going to go up in price. So why wouldn't you want to hold them? Because I think, look, I'm speaking as an outsider looking in. I think people look at this and say, well, now's not the right time uh, to do this because the price is already too high. Hold the cash. Wait for things to come down. But here's the problem. Cash is going to lose its value. If you're holding cash in your pocket, it's worth a dollar. In in a year, it's going to be worth uh, 85 cents. 
Is that really what you want? Whoa, no, now you're you talking Rolex, about January. Hold on. See, this is where I love it. This is where I love you, Dr. Will, because you're talking January 2023. You're saying, your is it your contention that the inflation stays at a way that even a year from now, our dollar is worth physically less, I'm saying physically, is worth less, less has less value than it has right now? Yes, absolutely. Huh. Well. And so that, that's why you need to get into an asset that's going to appreciate in value. So basically what, what Dr. Will is telling you is buy bourbon. <laughs> I like your interpretation of my words. <laughs> well, but then you'd have to hold on to it, and I'm not a guy who's going to hold on to it. Uh, Dr. Matt Will, a University of Indianapolis economist, mattwill.com, Dr. Matt Will on the Twitter box. Follow him there. Listen, I appreciate you being here. Uh, thank you so very much. That is a, that is a, man, that's a little bleak. But he's, I have to tell you, he's, he's bringing up a subject that forces you to ask yourself a question. What makes us think this stops? That's a, that's a very negative kind of, kind of conversation. That's a very, you see, that's, oh, Biden, that's, you know, you're, you're just doing that because he's a Democrat and you, and you don't like Democrats. No, no, I don't like Democratic policies. I've met Democrats that are lovely. Um, I've also met Republicans that are total jerk faces. So you see, these things happen. But we're, we're, I, I might be thinking about this wrong. I might be predicating this on the idea that eventually it gets better in 2022. Why? Why am I making this assumption? That is, that's a bad assumption. So now, now I'm asking the question. Now I got to start drinking. I, you know what? I can't, I can't believe you just did that to me. Somewhere in my head, I was like, okay, things will slow down, but what do you do about right now? Well, who's got any belief that this will actually slow down? I got. I wonder what people will invest in. Where do you feel is a safe place for your dollar? That's a good question. We'll get into it. Tony Katz, great to be with you. This Bob Saget story makes me want to cry. Bob Saget, the comic, passes away last month at the age of 65. He was on tour, right? He's on tour and and funny dude, makes people laugh. Beloved dude, even more so than I think people ever realized, uh, as, as many learned after his passing. Found dead in his hotel room. And everybody went to the, the rumor mill as quickly as humanly possible. The minute the minute they heard, they were like, oh, it was, was it this, was it that? I, I, I heard a rumor. And everybody was, you know, COVID this and COVID that. And I shouldn't say everybody, way too many people, COVID this and COVID that. I was just sorry he was gone. So the family releases a statement. And the statement says... Here's what we know based on the autopsy. We think Bob hit his head. And you're like, what? What do you mean he hit his head? According to the medical examiner, there was a bruise and supposedly a a large one on the back of his head. 
And what very possibly happened is that he hit his head. You know, he dropped something on the floor and he picked it up or, or uh, he, you know, got into bed and hit the, hit the headboard. And he said, oh, God. And then said, I'm just going to sleep. And didn't think it was going to be anything. It's very possible. There was nothing within the toxicology or anything else that, in, in terms of drug use, foul play, it was a result of blunt head trauma. According to the statement, his injuries were most likely incurred from an unwitnessed fall. That's, I, I, I don't, there, there's a weird part of this about whether or not, is, is, is that the way you want to go? I mean, it's just, it's, it's freak. Did you even know it was happening? Right? You fell, you're like, oh gosh, just crawl into bed and then you don't wake up. But talk about, I, I don't know if the freak way to go is somehow better or somehow worse. All I know is I heard the story and I was like, are you blanking kidding me? Like, I, yeah, I yelled. Are you blanking kidding me? Because it's just the craziest story in the world. And then you just ask yourself, like, man, weird things happen. Is that the way you want it to happen? Just something weird and whatever? Just takes a life too soon? Ooh, why not just the standard way? You know, what's the standard way? I don't know. But, like, you're hopefully a little bit older than 65. That's another thing, too. What, what America now views as, as young it has so advanced. You know, my, my, my father is 84. My mother is 74. We were, when I was in Florida for a few days, they live in Florida, and we got together, and we were sitting, and we were, we were having a, a, a bite, and, you know, it's just, you realize two things. A, you know, as, as their kid, you don't quite know how to deal with them because there's this moment where you got to kind of take over a little bit, right? There's that natural thing that happens. But there's the other part where they are like, we didn't expect this. My father, there's no way he should be 84. No, hey, it's live to be 94, dude. Do it, dad. I'm just saying it's unreal. It is absolutely incredible. So he's like, I wasn't expecting this. Wasn't expecting this at all. And so it's, it's odd for him as well. But 84, you're like, oh, yeah, live good. Even 74, like, oh, it's too bad. 65 is a baby. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is supposed to talk about health care, which is weird because he's supposed to also be giving out crack pipes, except maybe now he's not. That story's coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Health care. That's where the White House is now taking their time. This is now what they're talking about. I guess when you've got record inflation and record gas prices and possible war with Ukraine, you might as well move the American people when the governors are already saying take the masks off the kids and they're saying, no, not yet. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. I mean, any way they twist and turn, move and maneuver, it's a bad deal for them. They did this to themselves, so it's not like I feel bad for them. 
But there they are in Virginia. You've got the president. His name is Joe Biden. You've seen pictures. And you have Javier Becerra, the man who knows absolutely nothing about health care in charge of health and human services. And they are addressing uh, the crowd there, talking about lowering health care costs. I wanted to share some of this with you. I wanted to hear it myself. I'll be jumping in. Let's hear it uh, from the Secretary of Health and Human Services, Javier Becerra. Four in five people in America who recently signed up for the health insurance offered under the Affordable Care Act could find a health plan where they paid $10 or less per month in premiums. $10 a month in premiums. Now that's a good deal. The president also has us hard at work fighting to lower the cost of the prescription drugs that you use day in, day out, and that you need. He's heard the stories from Americans in every corner of our country. Americans like Alex Smith in Minnesota, who couldn't afford the medication he needed. Alec, a 26-year-old father, died after trying to ration his insulin because he was trying to make ends meet. We pay too much for prescription drugs in America. On average, about $1,500 per person. And if you're saying to yourself right now, hey, I don't use prescription medication, so I don't have any of those costs. Well, just think how much your uncle or your neighbor must be paying so that when taken together, it adds up to an average of $1,500 a year for each and every one of us in America. I don't think people disagree that, man, I'm paying way too much. I'm paying way too much for prescriptions. I don't think... People disagree, but we haven't asked ourselves, well, what is not too much? That's that's a question I'd like an answer to. What exactly, Secretary Becerra, is not too much when it comes to prescription drugs? Now, you could argue, well, uh, they pay less in other countries. You're, you may be right about that. But they also pay much more in terms of salary, uh, percentage of salaries, uh, for that health care. So they're paying for it in a different way. And I do not want any system that has more reliance on government. I don't want any system that has more reliance on saying, well, the government will handle it. They've proven that they can't. They've proven that they're not capable. I sometimes get asked, Tony, are you, are, do you like believe in no government? No, 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 no. I'm a liberty guy, not a freedom guy. I mean, the concepts of freedom, yes, but in terms of its application, liberty and freedom are two different things. Ooh, you want to freak people out? Get into that conversation. Start doing shots when you realize you can't explain the difference between liberty and freedom. You will be blotto in about 15 minutes. That's a good time. It's, good. it's happened before. Uh, well, not to me, to others. To others, I've watched. I, I don't. I don't drink enough. I've I've had to drink and be like, okay, I clearly don't get this. I before it gets too bad. But what what is it? What does it mean to pay too much? I'd rather pay less, but at, at what cost? Meaning, are we talking about paying less at 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 at, at the cost of what? The cost of the company that makes, uh, for example, the drug saying, ah, we're not doing this anymore. Ah, we don't make that drug anymore. You want us to charge too little? We don't think it's worth it. We're not doing it. Bye. That's, that's where it's at. 
That's the thing that I worry about. So Becerra's done. He had just some some quick comments. And they don't even have Joe Biden speaking yet. I'm not sure who this woman is. I wonder what she has to say. On behalf of our district, I'd like to welcome President Biden and his team to Culpeper County. Congresswoman. Welcome to our Commonwealth, Mr. President. Thank you, Secretary Becerra, for your introduction, and thank you for your attention to the rising cost of prescription drugs. I look forward to working closely with you in the future. Thank you to Mayor Reeves and members of the Culpeper Town Council for being with us today. Today, I am proud to bring the President of the United States here to the, one of the campuses of Germana. Mr. President, this institution does tremendous workforce training. We'll get into the workforce training maybe another time. This question of exactly what do you want government to do? There, there's, a, there's a problem. And the problem got started with the bailouts going back to 2008. So here you have the, these companies like AIG and others, these big banks, these big insurance companies, they're failing. They're failing. It's all falling apart. It's all falling a, a, a apart. It's all a disaster. And we're told, well, we have to bail this one out. We have to bail that one out. They're too big to fail. I don't believe that. I don't believe there's any such thing as too big to fail. And while that was the argument that was happening, top line, there was another conversation happening underneath. A conversation that is actually much more dangerous, much more damaging, and we're living through it still to this day. When the government came in and started bailing people out, what it said to America is, don't worry, when things get bad, we'll just write the check. When you say government has to do something and people scream, oh, we've got a problem, government has to do something. Well, what you think government should do is very different than what the person in the car next to you thinks government should do. You're different people. You have a different view on what government should do. So the, the, the member of Congress, well, you're both constituents. So they're hearing two different things on what to do. So government starts saying, well, we can't do something we have to do everything but when you talk about bailouts and the real damage that the bailouts did some 12 years ago is that the bailouts taught america that government will just write a check and solve the problem but they don't solve a problem they create dependency oh we have to shut down because of covid don't worry Government will write a check. I even said, you shut these people down. Of course you're going to write a check. You're the one who told them they can't go to work. But the damage is done. And then we start getting into these really kind of ethereal conversations. We need to bring down the price of prescription drugs. Okay. To what? Do we bring them down to a number so low that the lab that creates the drug says, screw it. You expect me to keep making this drug at absolutely positively no profit? F these people. I ain't doing that. I don't want to be a part of that. That's the issue. When we say we have to lower drug prices and they scream and they yell and they hoot and they holler, we have to lower the price of prescription drugs. 
Okay. To what? When they tell me and they tell you we have to stop this rampant opioid usage, by whom? My 74-year-old mother who's got the sciatica and the weird thing with her neck? Which, by the way, Diane has the sciatica and the weird thing with her neck. I didn't make that up. That's actually happening. She shouldn't be able to take an oxy? Somebody else is abusing the drug. Somebody else is writing too many prescriptions. My mother shouldn't have it because we have a drug problem? Let me say it again for those in the cheap seats. F these people. Not a chance. People should live in pain because somebody else is abusing whatever the, whatever the, 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 the codeine is, whatever the pill is. Nonsense. The advent of these medications is amazing. And what we have done to not only pro- just prolong life, but create better lives is the stuff they will marvel about in history books for years. And now we want to tell people what? We want to tell people they can't? We want to tell people they shouldn't? We want to tell people, no, 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 you live with the pain, baby. You live with the pain. Crazy talk. Joe Biden is going to talk about health care. We'll let him get to it in a couple minutes. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. So President Biden gets introduced by a 12-year-old talking about insulin. And right now he's throwing uh, the kids some praise, which is the right thing to do. It was a lovely intro from, from, from the kid, 12 years old. It's not easy to do. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, President Biden, talking about health care. I wanted to hear what he had to say. Let's hear what he has to say. I want you to know that lowering the cost of prescription drugs is one of the reasons why I'm here with Abigail, your congresswoman. And that's what I want to talk about with you today. Lowering the cost of health care overall as well. Lowering the cost of prescription drugs is important. And giving families like yours just a little bit more breathing room makes a gigantic difference. Before I get into that, I want to say uh, it's good to be here at uh, uh, Germana School. And by the way, uh, Abigail, if I want to know anything about community colleges in Virginia, I go to my wife. She teaches full-time and has for the last nine years. She's in the classroom now at, at uh, the community college in Northern Virginia, Northern Virginia Community College. And as she says, she says, you know, the single best-kept secret in America is community colleges. And it really is. They are so flexible. They can do so much, so much. And if I had more time, which I don't, for all of you, I'd, I'd go into what we're going to try to do to increase the flexibility and the funding of community colleges for people. But it's great to be here with Abigail, with Congresswoman Spanberger. And in every chapter of her career, in every chapter, she's always been about one thing, service, service. I also want to thank Mark Warner and Tim Kaine, your senators here, good friends, and worked closely with me on so many things when I was a senator and now as president and when I was vice president. But they needed to be in Washington today because there's votes in the Senate. 
I also want to thank Secretary of Health and Human Services Javier Becerra for two things. One, for answering my call and asking him to come and be the secretary. <laughs> I was worried he wouldn't. And, uh, and how much he's helped us make so much progress in getting people vaccinated, getting health insurance, and making uh, more affordable health care. Look, health care is part of Abigail, Congresswoman, uh, uh, our year Congresswoman's uh, um, background. Back in 2017, she saw her representative in Congress vote to repeal the Affordable Care Act. That was one of more than 100 Republican efforts. There were 100 Republican efforts since we passed it in our last administration to repeal the Affordable Care Act. But she knew that well, that was the exact opposite of what Central Virginia badly needed. You needed then and you need now more access to quality health care that is more affordable. So when I became president of the United States, that's what we did. We passed the American Rescue Plan, which made quality coverage through the Affordable Care Act more affordable than ever before. With families saving on average, have signed up, family on average $2,400 a year in their annual premiums. Compared to last year, the average monthly premium for Virginians, for Virginians has gone down more than 25%. Over 5 million people have gained coverage through the ACA since I became president. And as was mentioned by Javier, over 300,000 Virginians have signed up for health insurance during the open enrollment period here in Virginia. And we want to go further. Low in prescription drug prices, get a cap on the amount people pay uh, on Medicare, pay for prescription drugs, and to bring more clarity and fewer surprises when you get your bills if you've been hospitalized. So let me say a few words about each of these things now. With regard to prescription drugs, in America, we pay the highest prescription drug prices of any nation, developed nation in the world the highest of any. And it's about two to three times higher than what other countries pay. Let me give you one example. An anti-cancer drug to treat leukemia and lymphoma costs $14,000 a month in the United States. The same exact drug made by the same exact pharmaceutical company is sold in France, and it's $6,000 a month. He doesn't answer the question, does he? Sorry, we had to get through all of his blabber to get to the thing where he doesn't make sense. $14,000 to $6,000. With no conversation of what's already been paid. And no answer to the question of where do, what do you want the cost to be? You can make them do anything you want. You're the government. Is that really what you want? Do they stop making the drug? And I'll say, look, I'll, I'll say it. It, sounds, it, is, it doesn't sound like a lot of money. It is a lot of money. It is a lot of money. But what it is that it took to make that, I don't have a good answer for. What it took to make that drug, I can't tell you. What that price should be is what the market will pay for it. That's the reality. To make the drug or the research that went into them. Let me regress for just a moment here. I started when in the, in the uh, Obama-Biden administration an effort to deal with uh, the cancer moonshot, to change the way in which we deal with cancer. And I'm reinstituting that in my administration now. And it was interesting. I met, we had these hearings all over the United States, and 
One of the major events we did, we used at Howard University, where there were 35 other events going on simultaneously with this. I subsequently met with the heads of, I think it was 13 drug companies. And I asked them, I said, if you found a cure for a particular cancer, how much you think you should be able to charge? And the response universally was, what the market will bear. I said, hope I don't get elected president, because that's just not what you'll get. You should be treated more like a utility. You should be able to make a significant progress. Let's add up how much, and like they do in Germany, how much did it cost you all the research and development, all the effort, add it all up, and then on top of that, add a significant premium for it, a profit of 20 to 30 percent above it. You just heard the president of the United States say, okay, drug companies, we're going to limit what you can make because you're making too much the way we see it. You do- I'm not down, and I don't ever want to hear that Joe Biden is a capitalist, nor do I want to hear that Joe Biden is somehow decent. Holy. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today.